0: You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. In today's episode, the hunt for information about an early photographer leads also to a renewed appreciation for Peter Pomquist's prowess as a researcher of early women photographers. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number 3, photographers.net. Hi, everybody. In today's episode... I'm going to take you on a journey of discovery as we make a visit to an antique store, well, a virtual visit, to look for examples of photos by early women artisan photographers. Now, as we go into the store, our hunt begins as we look around to find some piles of photos. They typically are either stacked in a box or maybe in a basket, maybe sitting on a table or a bookshelf, or even in something under the table pushed up against a wall, so you have to look around to see if the store actually even has any old photographs. We route around the store and we locate a box and aha! It's got a pile of photographs in it, so first we're going to sort through them. Now we carefully sift through the photos, and we've got one goal, to find photos that have photographers' names on them. We're looking for the photographer's name and the location of the studio where it was taken. Both of those things are going to be really key to identifying the photographer ultimately. now Sometimes, of course, as I mentioned on other episodes, it's easy to see if it's a woman or not. It'll say Mrs. M-R-S or M-I-S-S-E-S or Miss so-and-so, but more often, it's not actually obvious when you look at a photograph whether or not it was taken by a woman. So you have to do some digging to figure out who the photographer really was when you see the name. Okay we need to start with the name of photographer. So we look at that box of photos, and we found one. The photographer's name on the front of this one is Wixson, W-I-X-S-O-N, and that studio was in Escanaba, Michigan. All right, so we've got one to look for, but now the real fun begins because now we're officially on the hunt to start with that name on the card, the cabinet card that is, to see whether or not it was a woman photographer who's responsible for that photo. Now, to do this investigation right at the antique store, we're going to whip out our cell phone to check Palmquist in our pocket, also known as the Pocket Palmquist. Well, that's what my husband Chris and I call it. That's the information from Peter Palmquist's database that we're using with permission from the Yale Beinecke Library, where the database resides. I think I may have mentioned in a previous episode that my husband Chris actually made our pocket PalmQuest database accessible on our iPhones when we downloaded the information from the database and combined it with the list that we have of the thousand or so early women photographers that Chris and I have actually done some research on. But Peter Palmquist's incredible list has nearly 20,000 U.S. women photographers listed. And so we have all of that at our fingertips when we're standing in the antique store looking at the Wixen Studio from Escanaba, Michigan to see if the Wixen Studio could have been run by a woman. All right, so we tap Wixen, W-I-X-S-O-N, into the PalmQuest database on our cell phone. And we have a match! Mrs. Julia E. Wixon in Michigan is actually listed in our Pocket PalmQuest. Peter Palmquist must have run across Mrs. Julie E. Wixson somewhere in his research. Unfortunately, though, there's no town listed in the Palmquist database for Mrs. Wixon, And of course, the information that Peter Palmquist found is not digitized, so it's all back at the Yale Beinecke Library in the boxes and boxes of information that Peter Palmquist collected. But that's okay. It's a really unique name, both the name Wixon, and the fact that the carpeted card comes from Escanaba, Michigan. So the likelihood of us being able to find more information about this particular photographer studio seems likely like we might really have a good chance at doing it when we get back home. We found the match in Peter Pomquist's database, but Chris and I are always mindful that we might be running into what we affectionately refer to as a Pomquist ploy. You see, Peter Palmquist's incredible list collected those 20,000 U.S. women photographers, but his list actually covers a broader range than the Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols project. The Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols project, of course, cuts off with women who were professional photographers only up until 1930, whereas Peter Palmquist was more broadly interested in Women photographers from any age, and so he died in 2003, and his database covers women right up until when he died. So sometimes Chris and I can get caught buying a a card, thinking it might be from one of our early women photographers, when in fact it's just a name that happens to be the same as a woman who lived later in the 20th century. But that's okay. We're looking at the Wixen card right now. Wixen seems unusual. Escanaba, Michigan seems unusual. Yes, we're going to buy this and head home and do more research. So back home, we first check AnswersDee.com and Newspapers.com. Particularly AnswersDee.com, you can search the U.S. census records there, and you can do it with the name and the occupation. So we're going to look for Julia E. Wixon, photographer, see if we get any hits. And we don't get any hits. Okay, we're not out of options yet. Now, Escanaba, Michigan, happens to have some of its directories available online, also available through answerj.com. So, let's see what we've got there. Take 1905. Actually, let's see what Wixens lived in Escanaba in 1905, if any. And hang on, we've got a hit. Joseph T. Wixon. He was a photographer running the J.T. Wixon studio. But right below him in the directory listing... There's also a woman, another Wixen, but her name is Lillian. Now she's a photographer, but there's no indication that her name is Julia, as in Peter Pomko's database. So what's going on? Long story short, is using the information that we find online in both newspapers.com and Ansoche.com, and also drawing on some great research that was done by a man named David V. Tinder who created a wonderful directory of early Michigan photographers, putting all of those materials together, we are able to piece together the outline of the story of the Wixon photographers in Escadama, Michigan. And I should note that I'll put a link in the episode notes to this directory of early Michigan photographers by David V. Tinder, because that's actually available free online at the William L. Clements Library at the University of Michigan. Gathering all this information together, we discovered Joseph T. Wixen was a photographer in Michigan starting shortly after the Civil War. Joseph T. Wixen was a photographer in various places in Michigan, right up until 1905. His second wife's name was actually Julia Etta Van Camp. She's the Julia E. Wixen, that of course is in Peter Pomko's Database. According to David Tinder's directory, Julia E. Wixon ran the Wixen Gallery in Grand Haven, Michigan, in the early 1880s. Joseph T. Wixon was also a photographer, but he had multiple branches, and Julia was running the Grand Haven, Michigan branch, while Joseph was off running uh, galleries elsewhere. Now, their son, Chester Wixon eventually becomes a photographer as well, and for a time, he actually partners with his father and creates a gallery called Wixen & Son. By 1905, Chester is married, and he and his family have moved away. And so when Joseph Wixon actually becomes ill in 1905, his daughter Lillian, who is a photographer, she appears to have stepped in and helped out, if not outright taken over, that gallery in Escanaba, Michigan. Lillian winds up getting married in 1906, though, and Joseph, who is very ill, and his wife, Julia, move to Rhineland, Wisconsin, where Joseph eventually dies in 1909. A lot of the information about what happened to that gallery and Lillian and Joseph getting ill and having to move, well, all of that is in Joseph's obituary that you find in 1909 in the newspapers. I should note that neither Lillian nor Julia ever seem to do photography again after they leave Escanamo, Michigan. So you might think, okay, well, that's the end of the story. But... It's not really the end of the story that comes out of finding that Wixen cabinet card. Actually, the reason I wanted to do this special episode today as a tribute to Peter Ponquist's prowess is that Chris and I are always astonished at how just matching one name from his database, really just that one glimpse of information, leads us to uncover often not just one woman who worked as an early photographer, like Julia Wixen, but two as we have here with Julia and her daughter, Lillian, but even potentially more. And that's actually the case here too, because you see that the Wixen studio in Escanaba, after Joseph, Julia, and Lillian all left in 1906, well, that studio was taken over by a man named Henry Robb. And as it turned out, Henry Robb's wife, Ida May, as well as their daughter, Alda, were also photographers. This is according to David Tinder's personal communication in the 1970s with Alda, which is outlined in his research in that directory of early Michigan photographers. It turns out that Ida May and Alda were effectively running the Robb Studio in Escanaba in the 19-teens, all the way up until 1925, by which time they had built up quite a successful business. This was while Henry was actually off in Florida buying and running an orchard. Now, in 1925, tragedy strikes when Ida May and Alda are both stricken with smallpox. They survived the big epidemic that sweeps Escanaba that year, but they're forced to close their photography business and move to Florida, where Henry is already located. There's no indication that any of them ever did photography again. But if you're keeping track... That one Wixon cabinet card that we found in a box in an antique store led to uncovering the stories of not one, not two, but four different early women photographers. Chris and I, as I said, used online resources to fill in some of the details, those things that are now available to us online, including David Tinder's directory. Interestingly, the directories that are available for Escanaba Online include that 1905 directory that lists Lillian Wixon as a photographer. She's not actually included in David Tinder's directory because he was focused specifically on owners of galleries. Lillian definitely worked at her father's gallery, and I believe that she definitely managed it when he got sick because from his obituary, it's clear he wasn't working in 1905. But she's never technically listed as the owner of the gallery, and that's probably why she got left out of David Tinder's directory. Another thing that's not in the Tinder directory is that the Wixen Gallery was advertising in Escanaba in a Swedish-language newspaper in 1905 and 1906. Now, that's right when Joseph T. Wixen was sick. As I said, I think it's likely in 1905 that Lillian, who was working in the studio, according to the directory, could have been also running it. But, of course, her mother, Julia Wixen, could also have been working there and running it, too. But what's the connection with the Swedish language newspapers? Lillian, Joseph, and her mother Julia were all born in the United States, and neither Joseph nor Julia seem to have any connection through their ancestry to Sweden. So that's a mystery that still needs to be explored. But David Tinder has lots of intriguing information about them. Uh, For example... Joseph turns out to have been married twice, and Julia was his second wife, but his first wife was named Sarah. And David Tinder ran across something that indicated that Julia was a servant actually working for Joseph and his first wife, Sarah, while Sarah was pregnant. And it's shortly after that that Sarah winds up filing for divorce, and then Joseph and Julia get together. Right. Uh, That's a digression. Um, What I really want to point out is that starting with that one name on the one cabinet card, led to four women photographers. And that was all thanks to Peter Palmquist, his research and his database that had that entry for Mrs. Julia E. Wixson. Remember, Peter Palmquist was doing all of this research before any of these online resources were available. And it's the online resources which makes it so much easier for Chris and I to discover more information about these women. Wherever Peter Palmquist found the notation for Julia Wixson, he apparently didn't run across Lillian Wixson, and his database also doesn't include Ida May and Alda Robb in Michigan. But again, he was doing all of this research manually. Um, his home base was in California, and getting information about early photographers in Michigan before all these online resources would have been extremely difficult. I can only imagine what he would have been able to do with everything we have now at our disposal had he had it at his disposal too. So today, it's really an appreciation of the prowess of Peter Palmquist. Photographs, pistols, and parasols, and this project in general, owe so much to his legacy. And having access to our Palmquist in our pocket, whenever we set off on the trail of discovering examples of photos by early women artisan photographers. You'll be able to see that Wixen cabinet card that started us off on our hunt today at my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. If you have any questions or just want to drop me a line, send an email to podcast at p3photographers.net. And of course, you can always follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash p3photographers. One final note. Today's episode is going to be the last one for season three. Now, oddly enough, when I started season three last fall, I actually had planned out the entire series of episodes I'd wanted to do. But life has a way of taking a series of unexpected turns, and certainly over the last few months that's true with both things in my life and also the episode plans, which have completely fallen by the wayside based on what I had first thought I'd do. I mean, some of the unexpected turns were fun, such as opportunities to talk about photographs, pistols, and parasols with different audiences. Some of the things that happened were more serious. For example, due to a death in my family, my plan to give a talk at the University of Kansas this spring has had to be postponed. Also, I had plans to bring you interviews this season with a few other historians, but those plans have had to be pushed back as well. I really want to thank everyone who was supposed to talk with me and all the listeners here on the podcast for all your patience and support and understanding. Anyway, rather than try to get season three back on its original track, I'm just going to bring it to a close with today's episode. May 1st, will officially launch season four. Here's looking forward to new beginnings all around. Well, that's it for today. As always, thanks for stopping by until next time. I'm Lee McIntyre and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.